This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. We've got a lot on our plate. Let's jump right in. We'll begin in Washington, where an historic vote to impeach a cabinet member may happen today in the U.S. House. Republicans argue that Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors for his handling of the southern border. Here's Tennessee Congressman Mark Green. This is not a migration crisis caused by some event in Latin America or Central America. This is a catastrophe of our own creation. But Democrats argue this is not an impeachable case here. Pennsylvania Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon calls it a cynical partisan impeachment divorced from real evidence of innocence or guilt brought solely to score cheap political points. Mayorkas is in danger of becoming the first cabinet official in 150 years to be impeached. The vote today, however, is no guarantee. Republicans can only afford to lose two votes if their impeachment effort is to be successful. Republican senators are lining up in opposition to a bipartisan border deal. At least a dozen oppose it. It would take 41 to kill the bill in the Senate. It's already dead in the House, says Speaker Mike Johnson. What it would do is actually further incentivize illegal immigration. The bill itself would do more harm than good, and that's why we've said it's a non-starter over here in the House. Still, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's planning a test vote tomorrow. He's urging the Speaker to reject the far-right faction in his party. I say to Speaker Johnson, don't let the 30 hard-right people in the House. They're extremists. And they're running your show. Do the right thing. Political analyst Amy Dacey predicts the border battle will be a hot-button issue all year leading up to the presidential election next fall. Each party wants to talk about what they're trying to do to help solve some of these immigration challenges. We'll, we'll be at the forefront no matter what. Whether this bill is dead now, we'll still be talking about this throughout the spring, summer, and into the fall for the election. The Senate legislation rewrites key parts of immigration law in including slashing the number of migrants eligible for asylum and changing how claims get processed. Opponents argue it doesn't go far enough, though, in restricting the number of illegal entries. It's primary day in Nevada, but only Nikki Haley's name is on the ballot in the GOP race for president. Donald Trump's name won't appear until Thursday, when the state Republican Party holds the Nevada caucuses. Nikki Haley on why the primary is so important. There are a lot of people who only vote in a general election. And if you vote in a general election, you are given a choice. If you vote in a primary, you make your choice. That's the importance of voting in a primary. Still, the GOP has decided that the caucus results, not the primary, will decide Nevada's 26 delegates. An historic storm continues to rain down on California. I've never seen anything like this here. It's like literally a river on the road. Officials say the deluge has become dangerous. At least three deaths blamed on the bad weather. As the storm continues, there are many water-soaked hillsides that have the potential to slide. We would like to reiterate 
to use extreme caution if you live or travel in these areas. More than 10 inches of rain has fallen in the L.A. area since Sunday. Mayor Karen Bass says trees and electrical lines litter flooded highways. We saw homes that were red tagged, yellow tagged, homes where residents had to evacuate and homes that unfortunately have suffered incredible damage. The rain may be letting up now, but the threat of rock slides, landslides and mudslides continues for Ventura, Los Angeles and Orange counties. Massive forest fires in central Chile have killed at least 123. More than 1,600 are homeless. Reporter Ricardo Nanning in Santiago says many tried to flee the flames in the Valparaiso region, but were caught in traffic and couldn't get out. It was a big traffic jam, so the authorities have found a lot of bodies in, trapped inside the, the cars, also in the streets. Now the efforts are trying to identify those bodies. The fires are raging about 70 miles from the capital city in an area that is popular with tourists. The governor of Valparaiso says there is evidence that the fires were intentionally set. The bold and brash country music star Toby Keith has lost his battle with stomach cancer. The legendary singer-songwriter passed away last night. Now you like me now, now that I'm on my way, you still think I'm crazy, standing here. Keith had 20 number one songs and was nominated for five Grammys. He sold more than 40 million records after rising up from the ranks of a rodeo hand, oil rigger, and semi-pro football player. The writer of some 5,000 songs spoke about his Christian faith in a TV interview just a couple weeks before his death. Have you experienced a peace that passes all understanding? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I finally got to a point where I was comfortable with whatever happened. I had my brain wrapped around it, and I was in a good spot either way. Uh, people without faith don't have that. Keith leaves behind his wife of almost 40 years, Trisha, along with their three children and four grandchildren. Toby Keith was 62. King Charles has cancer, though Buckingham Palace won't say what kind or what the prognosis is. It was found when the king was having surgery for an enlarged prostate. Correspondent Molly Hunter has more from the UK. The news shocking the country. And King Charles has begun receiving treatment for cancer. And the world. The King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace announcing King Charles III has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. The announcement comes just a week after the 75-year-old monarch was released from a London hospital following a routine prostate procedure. The king will be stepping back from his royal duties while he undergoes cancer treatment. Charles waited a record seven decades to wear the crown. At 75, he's the oldest monarch to take the throne in modern British history. Charles has been king for 17 months. The Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers have both arrived in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Correspondent Chris Van Cleve is there as well. Nearly half a million fans are expected to flock to the Strip for the game. This will become the biggest weekend of the year, for sure. Biggest Maybe of all time. It's already the priciest Super Bowl in history. Hotels are topping 10 grand a night this weekend. Tickets right now are going for an average of $11,400 or more. But Joel Halford of 
Bills fan from Kansas City got a deal at six grand. Super cool, super cool. Yeah, I wish it was the Bills, of course, but uh, it's great being in this environment. Chris Van Cleve in Las Vegas today. For the first time ever, the NBA will play on glass as part of All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis next week. Players will compete on a state-of-the-art LED glass court that's been installed at Lucas Oil Stadium. The celebrity basketball game, three-point competition, and slam dunk contest will all happen on glass February 17th. The All-Star Game itself on February 18th, that will happen on a wooden court. Still to come on the Noon Report, what can $45 billion buy? Wrecked roads cost motorists and treating pets like their people. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. It's a serene weather scene across our region today. I'll be back with a complete forecast coming up in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, we'll look for you then. Let's check the stories making news across New York and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro is about to take the wraps off a more than $45 billion state budget proposal. The state has about a $12 billion surplus right now. But Nate Benenfield with the Conservative Commonwealth Foundation says Pennsylvania still needs to tighten its fiscal belt. Well, that doesn't mean we need to necessarily cut spending, but it's got to grow at a slower rate to keep pace. If we don't address this now, it means tax hikes for you in the future. While education spending will figure prominently in today's speech, pro-life activists will be interested to hear how Shapiro intends to prop up the abortion industry. On December 31st, he cut funding to over 70 pro-life clinics in the Commonwealth. Those clinics had been receiving funding from the state for 30 years, but not anymore. Pro-Palestinian protesters shut down the Pennsylvania capital yesterday. Dozens were arrested for refusing to vacate the rotunda where today's budget address is about to take place. The demonstrators were demanding an end to Pennsylvania's investment of public funds into the state of Israel. State Treasurer Stacy Garrity says that's not going to happen, adding that Israel is America's greatest ally in the Middle East. 126 protesters were issued trespassing citations and released. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is blasting Republicans for trying to derail, she says, a controversial border security bill in the U.S. Senate. Stands zero chance of passage in the House, Hochul accusing the GOP of being the party of obstructionists. This should be happening. The only thing standing in the way is that the House Republicans refuse to take action. They don't want there to be a resolution because they want to keep the chaos going. New York Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort says Hochul is the last person who should be pointing fingers here. Governor, there's things she can do to take action. Until she does that, she owns this crisis. Her and Mayor Adams own this crisis. Her and Mayor Adams and President Biden owned this crisis, and every single New Yorker and every American know it. Central New York Congressman Brandon Williams says the Senate border bill amounts to a get-out-of-jail-free card for President Biden when it comes to his disastrous immigration policy. Adoption advocates want Governor Hochul to change a restrictive policy that makes it difficult to adopt from out-of-state birth mothers. New York's adoption policy is one of the most restrictive in the nation. Many call it anti-child and anti-woman. The New York Office of Children and Family Services recently imposed a new edict that limits the financial support adoption
adoptive families can give to out-of-state birth mothers. Critics say it's easier to get an abortion than to adopt a baby in the Empire State. The family of a Dansville, New York man who's been in the clutches of the Taliban in Afghanistan for 18 months now continues to lobby lawmakers for his release. Ryan Corbett and his family lived in Afghanistan for more than a decade until the Taliban takeover in 2021 when they left. His family says Corbett returned a year later to check in on his business, but was detained and has been held ever since. His family says Corbett is being held in a small basement cell and has only been allowed to have three phone calls with them. That's Aaron Kelly with Spectrum News. An annual report by a national transportation research group shows New York's crumbling roads and potholes cost drivers nearly $9 billion a year. That's billion with a B. Family Life's Jeremy Miller has that story. Drivers in New York shelled out an average of $715 in repairs, fuel, and wear and tear last year for a total of $8.7 billion, nearly $37 billion when congestion-related delays and crashes are included. The TRIP report finds nearly half of the state's major roads are in poor or mediocre shape, and nearly 1 in 10 bridges are structurally deficient. This year's budget includes more than $7 billion for repairs as part of a five-year $33 billion plan. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy, thank you. With the Super Bowl just around the corner, one city has topped the list again of being the best city in America for football fans. That city is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. According to WalletHub, the Berg beat out 249 other cities for the honor. WalletHub used over 20 metrics in compiling this list, including football facilities, level of fan engagement, stadium capacity, and franchise value. Dallas came in second. Green Bay was third, followed by Los Angeles and then Boston. We got more sports next. It's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the blue shirts came through in the clutch as the Rangers defeated the Colorado Avalanche in overtime at the Garden last night, 2-1. The Avs went up 1-0 early in the first and held that lead until Artemi Panarin's goal midway through the third. Then in overtime, Alexis Lafreniere knocked in the game winner. New York has now won two straight while the Avs' three-game winning streak is over. The Islanders snapped their three-game skid with a 3-2 victory over the Maple Leafs in Toronto. Matthew Barzal scored in the first, Kyle McLean scored in the second, and Pierre Engvall had the game winner in the third. On the hardwood in Philly, perhaps we got a taste of what the 76ers are going to be going through without Joel Embiid. They fell to the Mavericks 118-102. In Brooklyn, Steph Curry had 29, Jonathan Kaminga 28, and also 10 rebounds to lead Golden State past the Nets 109-98. The Lakers, Cavs, Clippers, and Pelicans, your other winners. The Philadelphia Eagles will open next season on the road a really long way from home. They're going to be playing in Brazil. Philly will be the home team against a team to be announced in the NFL's first regular game in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Friday, September 6th. And, of course, Super Bowl 58 is going to be played on Sunday as the teams settle in for their first practices. Leading up to the big game, the San Francisco 49ers complained about the soft turf on their practice field. 
But head coach Kyle Shanahan said they're going to deal with it, so don't worry about it. Niners will be gunning for their sixth Super Bowl title, while the Chiefs are shooting to win their third championship in five years. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, thank you kindly. Still to come on the Noon Report, cancer claims Toby Keith. House may vote to impeach. And Hochul says to migrant criminals, you're not welcome here. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Imagine a friend told you her baby is sick and might even die. You'd feel shock and grief and ask how you could help. You probably would commit to pray for her child and the family. But would anything change if the friend then replied, Oh, thank you. We're hoping that Fluffy pulls through. Well, according to many, it shouldn't. As fertility hovers around an all-time low and pet ownership at an all-time high, more and more Americans not only talk about, but treat their furry companions like they are children. Recently in The Atlantic, Catherine Wu argued that pets really can be like human family. Here's Wu, quote, Calling some pet owners the parents of their dogs and cats might be the best shorthand for these relationships. Throughout the article, Wu described the growing pet economy of products and services that mirror those that were intended for children. More Americans than ever buy their animals home-cooked foods, strollers, memory foam mattresses, their own clothing lines, and they pay for wellness centers, doggy daycares, acupuncture, surgeries, chemotherapy, even organ transplants. In 2022, in fact, the pet economy totaled over $136 billion and by most indications is only likely to grow from there. And according to a survey by Pew Research that was quoted in the article, the majority of Americans' 200 million pet owners describe their animals as family. More than half said that their pet is, and I quote, as much a part of their family as a human member, end quote. And this means, thinks Wu, that it's not only time to normalize talk of pets as children, but it's time to offer owners the same benefits that parents have. For example, she argued, employers should offer paid time off to new pet parents and pet insurance and employee benefit packages and rental properties should have fewer pet restrictions. In short, according to Wu, pet owners deserve, and I quote again, the same support systems that help people care for any loved ones, end quote. After all, she continued, Psychologically, scientifically, the bond that humans forge with animals can feel as strong as the ones we make with each other, even those with family, even with our kids. And there it is. You see, Wu's argument is built on a widespread but largely unconscious assumption that whatever we feel is what's ultimately true. But that assumption is wrong. What is true, of course, is that pets are a blessing. They can be wonderful companions. They make life richer in many ways. And losing a beloved pet is incredibly hard, as C.S. Lewis warned in The Four Loves, where he said, if you want a life free from grief, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Still, it's also true, crucially so, in fact, that pets aren't people. Animals are not created in the image of God. They do not share the value and the dignity that humans do. Now, it was Christians like William Wilberforce that elevated the treatment of animals in the Western world. However, our current trends of treating animals like offspring is shaped more by the devaluing of humans, especially kids, than by the proper valuing of animals. In fact, another more serious symptom of this cultural sickness is the low birth rate across the Western world, a phenomenon inseparable from the similarly low marriage rates. As a result, millions who would want to be mothers or fathers are left without children to nurture. The pet experience offers them a vaguely parental feeling, 
but without the life-changing and far more difficult responsibilities of raising a human being. While it's easy to mock things like so-called paternity leave, get it? Fur babies here aren't the real issue. They're just a sign of a culture full of people who are, as author Thaddeus Williams suggests, committed to following their own hearts. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you. Let's take things outside next. Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Bright and sunny much of the time. High temperatures, 30s to near 40, dropping back into the 20s tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a little milder than today. Most areas break 40 and mildly still Thursday, but with less sun, temperatures on Thursday will be flirting with 50. All right, we'll take it. 50 sounds good to me. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening Tuesday, the 6th of February. In just a few minutes, the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, will deliver his second annual budget address to a joint session of the General Assembly in Harrisburg. That speech is happening this year in the Capitol Rotunda for the first time ever. It's due to a water leak in the House chamber when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the governor's address. All eyes will be on school funding after last year's court ruling, which found Pennsylvania shortchanged public schools. The governor says he supports school choice, but he vetoed a voucher program from the budget last year. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says send them back. The more than a dozen migrants involved in the brutal beating of two cops in Times Square last week. There were New York City police officers beaten on the ground by migrants. And that's not acceptable anywhere. I want them to go through the justice system. I want to be prosecuted. I want them convicted. I want them to do time in jail. And then we deport them. Some of those involved in the beatdown have been captured at a bus stop in Arizona. They skipped town after being released by the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. Seven remain at large. One had a court hearing this morning. Country music has lost a star. A statement on his social media site says Toby Keith has died peacefully, surrounded by his family. He sold more than 40 million records. He was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2015 after rising up the ranks from a rodeo hand, oil rigger, and a semi-pro football player. Keith announced that he'd been diagnosed with stomach cancer a year and a half ago and underwent chemo, radiation, and surgery. Toby Keith was 62. Correspondent Deborah Rodriguez, reaction continues to pour into King Charles' cancer diagnosis. On the streets of London. That's so sad. I wish him well. But I'm the best doctors. Age against him. Rest up, boy. Prince Harry's believed to be en route to the UK to see his father, author Michael Dobbs, voicing the thoughts of many here. Could this be the moment that those freed fronds of the family are repaired? Harry is one of five senior royals eligible to assume some public duties if the monarch is incapacitated, but the palace insists that is not the case here. Vicki Barker, London. The first impeachment of a cabinet secretary in nearly 150 years could happen today on Capitol Hill. House Republicans say Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors for his handling of the border. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez.
Gonzalez. Whether it's impeachment, whether it's resign, whether it's policy changes, something has to change because 300,000 people coming over illegally in December is not the answer. Republicans can only afford to lose two votes if the impeachment effort is to be successful. Deal or no deal, a Senate bill on border security could be decided today. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. The $64,000 question now is whether or not senators can drown out the outside noise, drown out people like Donald Trump who want chaos, and do the right thing. Donald Trump says no deal is better than a bad deal. This is a... uh a Democrat trap that would be so stupid, so foolish to sign a bill like this. Republicans argue the Senate bill does not go far enough to combat illegal border crossings. House Whip Tom Emmer. You have given us a product that, quite frankly, is offensive to the American people and unacceptable. New Jersey Democrat Chris Murphy accuses Republicans of playing politics with the border issue. What they seem to want is just chaos. They want to keep the border unsolved as a problem so that it benefits them in the upcoming election. The GOP argues it's President Biden who's the one creating the chaos by imposing on Americans an open borders policy. A month's worth of rain in a single day has caused catastrophic flooding in California. California still dealing with damage from the powerful atmospheric river battering the state. The storm flooding streets and causing devastating mudslides threatening property and lives. First responders carrying out swift water rescues to save people and pets. The storm impacting nearly the entire state. In Northern California, three people have now died from falling trees. Liz Kreutz reporting from Soggy, L.A. America's pastime is no longer a sport played on the diamond, but rather the gridiron. A new Pew poll shows Americans believe football, not baseball, is America's sport. 57% of respondents picked football as America's pastime. 27% said baseball. Basketball came in third at 8%. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. This is Family Life Hometowns, a chance to get to know the stories behind the counties, cities, towns, villages, and burgs that make up the Family Life listening area. We take a look at their history and learn what makes them special. Today, we spotlight Jefferson County, Pennsylvania. One of over 20 United States counties named after founding father Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson County, PA, with less than 50,000 residents, is sparsely populated compared to some of its western state neighbors, but all of America knows of its most famous resident who isn't human. It's Punxsutawney Phil! During last week's annual Groundhog Day festivities, normally sleepy Punxsutawney probably came close to doubling Jefferson County's population at least for a day or two. By the way, the name Punxsutawney came from swarms of gnats which plagued both settlers and Native Americans who called the bugs Ponkies and the settlement Ponkis Utnik. Somehow that morphed into Punxsutawney. 
And there's a whole lot more to love about Jefferson County for residents and visitors alike. For starters, Clear Creek State Park and Cook Forest State Park, which between them offer nearly 10,000 acres of hiking, canoeing, kayaking, and camping land, along with plenty of fishing and hunting. Just no hunting the groundhogs, please. Jefferson County has ties to some notable people, too, particularly in the sports world, including two-time NBA championship head coach Chuck Daly, who began his coaching career at Punxsutawney High School. And there's also a local who turned out to be a pretty good major league pitcher. Right here is George Brett against Sparky Lyle. Look him out, Sparky Lyle gets his first strikeout. Sparky Lyle, who grew up in the borough of Reynoldsville, was a Cy Young Award winner, three-time Major League All-Star, and won two World Series rings with the New York Yankees, and also wrote a notable book about that entitled The Bronx Zoo, about his time in pinstripes. But Phil, Chuck, and Sparky aside, one of Jefferson County's most intriguing residents, and most controversial to be sure, is a gentleman by the name of Douglas Stallman, responsible for the county's other notable tourist draw, Scripture Rocks. Born in 1861 on a Jefferson County farm, Stallman grew up to be a teacher, married Marion Alsobrook, and they moved to Indiana. After his wife gave birth to their second son, however, she fell ill, but her husband dismissed her doctor, relying on faith alone to heal her. When she died of blood poisoning, he was arrested and eventually declared insane, while his wife's family took custody of their children. Now fast forward to 1908, Stallman, a broken man searching for answers, returned to Jefferson County's seat of Brookville and began retreating to the nearby woods to prey among rocky outcroppings, and it was there that Scripture Rocks was born. In a 2010 documentary by Sean Montgomery, explorer Tim Michaels relates one of the many legends surrounding Douglas Stallman and what happened after he suffered a severe head injury in a barroom brawl, which prompted doctors to put a metal plate in his skull. Some people say that the metal plate they put in him kind of put a little too much pressure on his brain, whereas other people say that his near brush with death just sort of made him accept the Lord as a savior and uh, really became thankful for the powers that be. What followed was that Stallman spent the next several years of his life going in and out of the woods around the area of Brookville uh, carving scriptures into the rocks. Well, for whatever reasons, over the next few years, he had carved scripture into more than 500 rocks. Then, with help from some friends, he began building outdoor chapels near some of those rocks and began to develop quite a following, advertising open-air religious meetings. Until the local paper publicized Stallman's troubled past and his life unraveled once again. He began living as a hermit in the woods, writing out by hand a book about his dedicated rocks. Sadly, by 1915, Stallman was again declared insane and transferred to Dixmont State Hospital, where he remained until his death in 1942. But his scripture rocks remain in a public park open from May to October, a winding path showcasing more than 60 biblically emblazoned boulders, which remain his mysterious legacy. So whether it's contemplating scripture rocks or the much more lighthearted legend of Punxsutawney Phil, you can get your fill of fun and adventure in Jefferson County, Pennsylvania.
You've been listening to Family Life Hometowns, a look at the counties, cities, towns, villages, and burgs that make up the Family Life listing area. Please join us again next time for another edition of Family Life Hometowns. Getting down with your hometown. Thank you very much, Mark. You can download today's Family Life feature by going to familylife.org. Just look for the news tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. It's quite a split nation weather-wise. Powerhouse storms slamming the western states with massive amounts of mountain snow, flooding rains, and high winds. But it's a serene weather scene here in the northeast, Great Lakes region, and it's going to stay that way with no big storms expected for the week. In fact, sunshine will prevail today and carry our temperatures ever higher in the days ahead. So for this afternoon, bright and sunny much of the time. High temperatures, 30s to near 40, dropping back into the 20s tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a little milder than today. Most areas break 40 and milder still Thursday, but with less sun, temperatures on Thursday will be flirting with 50. All right, 50 sounds nifty. Thank you, Kevin. And finally at noon for a Tuesday, you shouldn't need a reason to say something nice to someone, but if you do, today's just for you. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. Nothing cheers a person up quite like hearing someone say something nice about them. Well, if somebody has done that for you, it's time to return the favor, as today is Pay a Compliment Day. Although we shouldn't need a special day to show our appreciation, most of us need a little nudge, right? Created in 1995, the inspiration for the day came after a rider who almost missed their stop on a cold winter day complimented a Chicago bus driver for showing kindness to them. It's when we express our kind words openly and naturally to others that they truly show meaning. Pay a Compliment Day remembers a stranger's kindness on a bus and hopes to inspire similar meaningful connections all the time. Brian Query, Family Life News. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Brian. Uh, The late, great Mark Twain said once, I can live for two months on a good compliment. So make sure you're paying a compliment to someone today. And that's the world we live in today, Tuesday, the 6th of February. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.